WHHH-FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis. It is Sunday, June 14th. I'm Cameron Roto live from downtown in the Radio 1 studios. Good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. Ebony Chappelle here alongside Cameron Riddle. Um, we have such a great show planned for you all today. We are going to be talking with some activist groups who have thoughts on different things that are happening in the city. There's just a lot going on, Cam. There is a lot going on. Of course, if you were out yesterday, you might have caught up with uh, some of the block parties that happened in different parts of the city at 62nd and Michigan. A big show of force uh, celebrating the birthday of Dre John Reed, who we know was shot and killed by IMPD back on May 6th. His sister was there. His mother was there. Members of Indy 10 Black Lives Matter uh, helped uh, host that as well as there. there's been a team of people who have been keeping his memory alive at the memorial. Some people literally been living there uh, since the shooting. And then downtown, there was a block party outside of Michael's Soul Kitchen, which we know does so much for the community. Uh, A day of unity, and there is much more on that happening today uh, with two different events. We'll tell you about that coming up later in the show. But first, Ebony, we are going to talk with Matt Davis of the Indiana Racial Justice Alliance. He has a plan to not only defund the police, but then re- fund the city. We've heard a lot of talk about there that. There has been a lot of talk about that and I'm personally interested to find out a little bit more about what that means because people are confused. They hear defund the police and they think well who's going to come and help me if something happens in my neighborhood? So lots of questions to be answered when it comes to that. Yeah we'll ask Matt does that mean abolish the police or uh-huh. does that mean what he literally wrote which yeah. is to defund and refund. We'll talk with him about that idea coming up in just moments and then at 8.30 We'll ask if that's possible with Indianapolis City County Council President Bob Osley when he calls into our live line. We'll see if money can be moved around or is that just something that ain't going to happen. Yeah. We'll talk about all of that and so much more as well. Take your calls at 317-239-9696. But first, let's get you caught up on what happened this morning in the news. was shot and killed early this morning on the northwest side of Indianapolis. At 12.15 this morning, police were called to the Papa John's near 38th Street and Georgetown Road. Minutes later, the person died on scene. This was the second fatal shooting in just hours in the city. An Indianapolis woman is missing and her family is literally searching the streets of the city for any clue on where she might be. Chanel Renee Gilbert has been missing since Tuesday, June 9th. The substitute teacher, mother, and grandmother was last seen in the Sungate neighborhood near Girl School and Rockville Road in Wayne Township. Gilbert was last seen wearing a black sweatsuit, carrying a black purse, and braided hair. She is five foot one and 169 pounds. If you have seen her, call 911. Nearly all of Indiana is officially in stage four of Indiana's back on track plan. However, Marion County will remain in stage three until this coming Friday. Here's what stage four looks like. Movie theaters, bowling alleys, museums, and zoos can all open at 50% capacity. Retail stores and malls may now open at full capacity with social distancing in effect. Indoor dining and worship services can increase to 75% capacity. Bars and nightclubs may reopen at 50% capacity and bar seating inside restaurants may resume. Again, the rest of the state is now in stage four. Marion County goes into stage four this coming Friday. In the forecast, partly cloudy skies with a high of 77 degrees, a perfect day to get outside or cut that grass. Right now, it is 56 degrees in Indy. And so, Ebony, as we have talked about, um, the defunding and the refunding of police. Um, 
is that actually something that is attainable? Is that mm-hmm. something that is actually a good idea? What are your initial thoughts when you hear defund the police? Yeah, my initial thoughts are that it is a it's a radical idea and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think it's something to be explored. We've seen other places right here in the United States. We've seen other cities explore that um, that option and just kind of redirect funds Um for me personally, I do think that some of our police departments are overfunded when it comes to their weaponry and the militarization of police. So I would be interested in seeing um, a model that is more on the protect and serve side and that actually does more for the community. So I'm interested to learn a little bit more about it. What about you? Um, we're going to learn a little bit more about it because it's all about how you what it what it is that you mean abolishing the police and defunding the police are two totally different things. And once you hear it the way I've heard Matt explain it, it might make a little bit more sense than what you were hearing in some places where you say abolish the police, because when something goes wrong, first person you call is the police. But at the same time, maybe every situation when you dial 911, you don't need somebody with a gun. Absolutely. I know we've seen that here locally um, with the fact that IMPD has tried to implement, um, assistance from the mental health community because a lot of 911 calls come in and people think oh you know I need to call to get help from the police because my family member is having a mental health crisis when in reality a mental health professional is the one that should be called on the scene we've seen the same thing with the opioid epidemic Um, sometimes they need someone to come and bring Narcan and that's not necessarily a police officer Um, So I think it would be interesting to just hear a little bit more about that, because there are a lot of people, even though you've stated it very clearly and Matt is going to state it clearly again, they hear defund and they think no more police. And that is not necessarily the case. Well, let's ask Matt about that right now. He is on our live line. No speculation here directly from the man who is saying it and who is writing uh, it himself and passing it out to people to learn more about it. So, Matt, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to talk about what it is you are trying to get people to understand. First of all, thank you for calling into the show this morning. It's a pleasure to have you. Oh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So tell me about it, man. The other day, of course, you've been out there at the protests uh, since the the first Friday when everything jumped off. Um, and in the past couple of days this last week, you were passing out these flyers uh, with five demands. Uh, we talked about that main one, which is two verbs, one demand, refund the police, uh, defund the police and refund the community with more programs and services. So in your own words, because we're going to have Vop Osley coming on here in the next 30 minutes. What do you want him to do? So when we say defund, the first distinction I want to make is when we say defund, we mean take a percentage from IMPD and put that back into community services and programs. And so, uh, you know, when we say defund, we don't mean disband, Right. I think there's a big difference between defunding an institution that has shown that it is not appropriately funded for its services it should be providing as a public servant and disbanding something because we fundamentally think that it should not exist in the form that it currently operates in. And I, I think that both are good conversations for the Indiana Racial Justice Alliance, where we think the best route is, especially in Indianapolis, given where IMPD is, given the perception of law enforcement in this state, we feel like defunding and reallocating, reprioritizing what it means to be safe, right? The annual budget is how we prioritize what we feel like we need and what we feel like can help us uh, become the community and city that we want to be. So defunding a percentage of IMPD, and we're talking about more than $250 million, right? taking some of that and putting that back into uh, historically defunded uh, institutions like IPS. You know, it was never radical to defund IPS. It was never radical to defund Indigo. It was never radical to defund certain indie parks. So why is it radical to put a check and balance financially on the, on IMPD? So that's, that's the primary idea is that we transfer Mm -hmm. over and then we need to invest in, Alternative interventions, like Ebony was just speaking to, mental health, uh, recovery, uh, all these different things. When you're dealing with addiction, none of this should be handled by the police. So the whole more cop, more cop, make the cops do it, make the cops do it mantra 
we need to get out of that. Matt, quick question for you. Um, with the Indiana Racial Justice Alliance, um, who all is involved in this work, um, specifically when it comes to the defund and refund conversation? And what conversations have been had on a high level with decision makers um, as far as implementing initiatives to get this done? Have there been in a, any of those conversations yet? Not not uh, in a robust fashion. Right now, we've just been trying to do good political education of just everyday citizens and people who are coming out to protest. So what we try to do with the Alliance is we try to make sure that we can reach everyone who's working, right? Mm -hmm. um, get them to understand the demands. Uh, we've uh, developed our demands in concert with a lot of groups. You, you, you talk about people like Faith, uh, who have been doing faith-based organizing for, for years. Um, they've, uh, they support our work. We support their work. Um, there's a lot of people that were- And that was faith in Indiana, you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of people that we're trying to bring to the table uh, and we want to come with a collective voice before we start talking to um, uh, the mayor and the city council at the table, per se. Um, but we want to make sure that the people understand these things so that uh, when the policy is passed or when the, the transfer happens or when external review boards are created, it's actually a groundswell that's supported by the grassroots, that's supported by different nonprofits, that's supported by your everyday person. So that they can understand that it's going to take all of us to reimagine safety. So in terms of formal conversations, no, there's been a lot of city councilors who have reached out to us and had uh, good conversations, good substantive conversations for clarity's sake. Uh, but right now, it's important for us to reach um, everyday uh, residents and make sure that they understand. So that's our primary focus, especially for the next two weeks. So, Matt, uh, you are already getting a couple of callers who uh, want to ask you some questions about this. We're doing a community forum on this. And uh, as you go to the powers that be and ask them questions, uh, maybe you can get a little input from some folks who are listening. Take a call for me. Yeah. All right. Let's see who this caller is on line one. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. It's Larry Bond. But, you know, I, I'm getting sick and tired of the way that these people are talking. Now, he's talking about going to a table. Everything he's talking about is not going to help any part of our community. He's not talking about taking that money and spending it on jobs. We need to employ people. We need to get our farms and our manufacturing going in the black community, not to set aside money for, for mental health or any other thing, derogatory diseases and uh, criminal justice. Uh, labor beats all that. That's what America is about. It's not about being a victim, and that's all he's promoting. And I don't know where he gets the authority to speak for the black community because we don't know his background. We don't know who he is. We don't know what uh, he's been involved in before. And he's coming out, going to the table for us with people like Bob and, uh, and Snyder and the other people that are uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in the circle. What qualifies him to be in that circle? I mean, that's why we end up losing every time we get something like this, because we have people at the table that are totally unqualified. And he, he uh, the way he's talking right now, and I've heard him speak in the past, he's totally unqualified to negotiate for the black community. So I wish he would just uh, step out of the picture and the black community would pay somebody to negotiate a deal for us that we could uh, really uh, – get something out of instead of being used again. All right. Thank you, Larry. Matt, go ahead and uh, respond to that. No problem. I can, uh, by, by imagination, am I personally trying to speak for the um, There's an entire alliance of organizations that are in the Indiana Racial Justice Alliance where no one is trying to speak for the black community. We're just trying to organize people around a set of demands for IMPD in, in total right, for, for all of the department to change it fundamentally. So uh, what I want to speak on is the reason why we're trying to prioritize the alternative interventions, similar to what Ebony was just speaking to, is because people feel like if you're defunding the police, are you decreasing our, our chances of staying safe, right? Police equals safety. So if you defund police, are we still safe? Mm -hmm. And so then helping people rethink safety by funding and refunding programs like mental health interventions and all those other things are super important and also play a key role in 
employment and labor discussions, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people who are not able to maintain a job because they need all of these other wraparound services or just general support in their community. And we need a better quality of life in our neighborhoods in order to start thinking about how we can bring jobs and all those other things. So crime is a real big factor when it comes to business, a real big factor when it comes to quality of life and when it comes mm -hmm. to just living in your neighborhood. Yeah, so all I of those question for you. I'm so sorry to cut you off. No, I, I just had another question because, um, I'm just, you know, try, I'm a very visual person. Um, so I was wondering, are there any um, any other communities, maybe even outside of the United States, but any other places that the Indiana Racial Justice Alliance has looked at as examples of what this could be like? Um, because I think that would help people understand a little bit better as well that are having trouble grappling with the concept because we've kind oh. of lived under this sort of regime for a long time. So to think about something different, I think it's challenging for some folks' minds to wrap around. Gotcha. No, yeah, no problem. So I think one of the main uh, main ones I always think about are is uh, there's two main ones that come to mind, especially right now. You have uh, Newark, New Jersey, mm -hmm. um, and I'll, I won't belabor this right now, but you can look this this example up. Newark, New Jersey really is taking policing into their own hands, right? They are reimagining public safety, reimagining community input and citizen oversight. And I mean, to the point of they have already, they're in the disband conversation, right? Minneapolis has mm -hmm. literally voted to disband its uh, police department. And that was recent. Like, huh? That was recently, right? That was recent. That was literally yeah. last week, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that what asking is a more measured, uh, a more pragmatic compromise for disbanding. Uh, but we're just saying let's reallocate, let's reprioritize uh, what we feel like helps create safety uh, and are our police always a part of that. I just want to say I'm going to bring up some general questions uh, just for everybody out there. And, and also, again, we're not speaking for the black community or the brown community in, in total. But, you know, should beat cops even exist, right? The way that we see them, the way that cops go on beats, how expensive is that? How effective is that? Um, what are cops doing besides, you know, homicide investigation? And that's from detectives. What are police actually doing? What tasks do they do that can be done without a gun, right? All of these things are the areas where we want to put uh, a lot of scrutiny, a lot of evaluation, so that we can have a full conversation about what it means to make sure that that reallocation, reprioritization is done the right way. All right, hold that thought, Matt. You got another call here at 239-9696, 239-9696. On the air this morning with Matt Davis of the Indiana Racial Justice Alliance talking about his request to the City County Council to not only defund the police department, but then refund that money to other areas of the city. We're taking your calls right now at 317-239-9696. Caller on line two, good morning. You're live on the air. On the air this morning with Matt Davis of the Indiana and that's me in the background coming up. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Is it, is it my turn? Yes, it is. You're live on the air. Turn your radio down for me in the back. Oh, I did. I, I, I just okay. turned it down. Okay. Uh, how y'all doing this morning? We're all right. What do you What do you think of this? Well, uh, <laughs> well, frankly, you know, this is just a this is just a repeat of the old game. Uh, I I really um, again the gentleman that just caller just got off i understand totally what he's talking about and you you can't have these people going to these places claiming to represent us when they have no idea what exactly it is that we need if we looked at the white community and we said well there's not a whole lot going on over there that's because they're economically okay so if we are again because i'm a product of the cedar program which i retired as a welder so this program was beneficial to me, obviously, and that money was there. So since they took the money out, then they need to replace the money, rebuild the community. And I, I'm going to tell you, these, these, these meetings, these council meetings, and I, like I said, it's just a political game. And people of the community, there was a young black man on the news last week, and he was like 15 or 16 years old. And he said, I don't want to talk to nobody that hasn't experienced some of the things that I've experienced. So you're sending these people out here 
but have no experience about what we're actually going through. So it's hard to communicate that the the fact that what's really going on in our community when you're talking to someone that looks like us but have no idea of what's going on. So I just, like I said, there's a political game going on that's being played here, and it's really a waste of our time, and we need to move on to some solutions and make sure that these demands are met and with time limits, not let these people keep on doing what they're doing. So uh, that's my comment today, and I hope you guys have a great day, and I hope there's some positive folks that's going to come online and share some things with it. I got one more thing I need to ask the other community. Uh, my brothers and sisters that's been in prison, that's been in foster homes, and these types of things, you guys need to go back out in the community, since you're fine and everything's going well, go back out in the community and help your other brothers and sisters that may be struggling uh, with some things. We can help. We can build our own community back up. We just need to get back in the game. All right. Have a great day. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, Matt, uh, as we get ready to go, uh, we got to wrap this up because we're going to have uh, the city county councilor, president, uh, Vop Osley, come on in just a second. So as we transition to him, what is it you want him to do tomorrow? I, I just uh, for and I mean this for all city councils, like like we said, the Indiana Racial Justice Alliance has not formally sat down at any table. We're not re- representing a whole group at all in any form or fashion. The first thing I just want to uh, city council or vibe in particular to look at is uh, those broader questions of what can be done without a gun? Do we need beat cops? Uh, let's rethink traffic policing uh, that's disarmed. All these broader questions can help be a roadmap for where to cut and where IMPD is overinflated. I just want to say one more thing about business development. When people are saying invest back in business and all of those di- different things, if we did not already, if we didn't prioritize interventions for safety, everybody would, would be saying, "Why are you trying to put money in the business when we don't even when you're trying to get rid of the police, right?" So if we jumped straight to business development and access to capital and jumped over reentry and jumped over mental health and jumped over all these other things that create dangerous situations in our neighborhood, then people would be maybe complaining about something else. So that's why we're trying to prioritize things that make our communities healthy and safe and then a better environment for business development and employment. All right. Matt Davis, uh, been out there uh, with the protests uh, on the bullhorn a lot and in turn was passing out uh, these uh, five demands to the thousands of protesters who were out there uh, on behalf of the Indiana Racial Justice Alliance asking for a defunding of the police department and refunding that money to other city resources. Matt, thank you for calling in to us this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Um, so, Ebony, that's a thought. And here in a couple of minutes, we will get to um, see if that's possible yeah. um, with uh, when uh, the city county councilor uh, president Osley comes on mm-hmm. in just a moment. Uh, before we go to that, Ebony, I want to switch gears real quick. Uh, yesterday was the Indie Day of Solidarity. We stand mm-hmm. together this unprecedented virtual half hour special, which aired right here on our stations at Radio One of WTLC AM, WTLC FM and Hot 96.3, as well as on the platforms of the Indianapolis Recorder and Wish TV Channel 8. The program brought together uh, some several big names, voices, and faces, including Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett, City County Councilor members, as well as the Boys and Girls Club CEO, uh, the Kennedy King Memorial Institute leaders, and even folks from Eli Lilly and hosted by long-term, long-time journalist Angela Kane and Ebony. You got to be a part of that program. I did. I did. So I was repping for one of my 80 jobs. You know, that's like the running joke around here is I have 80 jobs um, but I was representing as a manager of programs and communications for leadership Indianapolis um, it was it was a beautiful uh, program put together over that 30 minutes um, one of the big highlights was the fact that Lily has committed um, I want to say 25 million dollars over the next five years to specifically um, work at eradicating systemic racism here in the state of Indiana and beyond Um, So I thought that was really powerful. Um, You know, we also have to hold people accountable. Anytime someone, you know, steps out and makes a promise or says they're going to do something and it's for the community, um, we as the community have to hold them accountable and make sure that those things happen. Um, And I think there are a lot of people 
lined up to do just that. But it was overall a very powerful program. Um, lots of different voices speaking to these issues that we've been talking about for quite some time. Yeah, so it was it was powerful. Uh, one of the conversations uh, that was had uh, was was um, between uh, Angela Kane, who hosted, mm-hmm. um, as well as uh, Daryl Lockett. And uh, she asked him uh, uh, some very emotional questions about just what it's like mm-hmm. in, in this time. And he explained what it's like to have this conversation or, or think about having this conversation um, with his son. I want to play some clips from uh, yesterday's program. If you missed it yesterday here at noon, um, as the day of solidarity was yesterday. But as Ebony said, you got to hold folks accountable and see that this just wasn't just something from yesterday, but that it continues. Here's part of the program uh, and the conversation from Angela Kane and Daryl Lockett. Well, thank you for joining us, Daryl. What makes this conversation on race so different right now? Why are so many people of different races and ethnicities being moved to act? Yeah, I think this has just been a, um, just a a interesting time, Mm -hmm. not only in the city, not only in the country, across the world. We're dealing with a global health pandemic. You know, we're talking about how, you know, the coronavirus and COVID-19 has affected, you know, communities differently. So, you know, we're ever present to our differences as we were reminded about this on on, on the news cycle and in the media. Mm -hmm. But then to see in front of us the death of someone happen in real time, just in the course of eight minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's sort of, you know, awaken us and, you know, to this reality that so many individuals have lived under for generations we can feel each other's pain we know what it's like to be vulnerable and i think that's what's really different about this moment um it's compelled individuals to act who have you know historically been able to turn a blind eye now they realize that what impacts one of us impacts us all Mm -hmm. daryl just for a second step outside of your work and your career what is it like to be a black man in america right now and to watch what happened to george floyd it's tough Watching that video, watching those eight minutes and and 40-something seconds, I realized that could be me. That could be my older brother. That could be some of my closest friends. That could be, you know, folks that I've grown up with. I'm walking and navigating a tightrope of sorts. That, That the margin for error is not the same as some of my friends in other communities. Part of the conversation that aired right here on WTLC and Hot 96.3, the Indie Day of Solidarity. Of course, uh, uh, that voice there, longtime journalist uh, Angela Kane, as well as uh, several other people who joined in on that, including City County Councilor member and Boys and Girls Club CEO Maggie Lewis, uh, Eli Lilly's Dave Ricks, uh, and Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett. Um, we're going to play some more clips of that throughout the show. Ebony, as you participate in that, what's been the response from people um, who either got to see or listen to it? Yeah, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, I think that a lot of people are just grateful um, that these conversations are happening and happening on a large scale. So that's one side. A lot of people are just happy that we're having these conversations on on this level right now. There are other people, however, that feel like, you know, how real is this? How legit is it, you know, that, that Lily and all of these teams are, are putting something like this on? Um, is it just lip service? Are they doing it because, you know, it's, it's the hot thing right now? Or is it something that they're really, really committed to? So you have, you know, a certain level of skepticism there, um, which I think is healthy. I think we should always be asking questions and making sure that, that things are as they seem or as they are presented to us. Um, but for the most part, I've gotten a lot of uh, really great responses from people wanting to keep that conversation going. Well, we will keep that conversation going uh, here throughout the show as we play more clips from that and hear from you uh, talking about the Indie Day of Solidarity. Also, a number of events happening downtown in Indianapolis today. We will tell you about two of the biggest ones that are happening and where it is you can go this afternoon starting at 3 o'clock. But when we come back, we will be having the conversation with City County Councilor President Vop Osili about their request from Matt Davis and the Indiana Racial Justice Alliance. 
Alliance is defunding the police and refunding the community, something that can happen. And we'll also talk to him about the conversations that they had with our police chief, Randall Taylor. A lot of questions about the uh, use of force that we have seen here in Indianapolis in the past couple of weeks with the protests. They uh, pretty much grilled our police leaders. We'll ask them. Uh, ask him about some of that and much more taking your questions and calls at 317-239-9696 you're listening to the open line show it is 8 30 i'm camera model with ebony chappelle we'll be right back after this keeping you connected to what's happening in our city it's open lines on high 96 3 Hi, this is Oshia Boyd, editor of the Indianapolis Recorder newspaper and Indiana Minority Business Magazine. You're listening to Open Lines with Ebony Chappelle and Cameron Riddle. I believe that we can eradicate the disease of racism. I believe that everyone should be treated equally. I believe in relationships and I believe in our future. That Black Lives Matter. Part of the conversation that aired yesterday here on WTLC FM Hot 96.3 and WTLC AM as well as on the platforms of the Indianapolis Recorder and Wish TV 8, the Indie Day of Solidarity. We stand together uh, that program with messages from our city leaders and uh, both community and elected uh, yesterday as we go through uh, this uh, incredible time in the world, both with the pandemic of coronavirus and the epidemic of racism and social injustice that just uh, will not go away until some serious changes are made on every level. Um, With that said, Ebony, um, we've been talking about defunding and refunding the police, but Mm -hmm. is that something that is even possible? Yeah, exactly. That is a question that is on a lot of people's minds. And we thought who better to have this conversation with then our city county council president, Mr. Vop Osley, um, to discuss with us the reality of these demands that have been set forth. Um, for those of you that maybe don't know, um, the council is responsible for the city's budget. So when it comes to how money is allocated and things like that, they are the ones that decide that. So, so happy to be talking with Councillor Osley this morning. Councillor, uh, let me let me back that up. Uh, Mr. Vice President, Mr. President, that is, if I don't get this right, Mr. (laughs) President, you've moved up uh, several times and now you are the the man in charge there on the city county council. So thank you for um, joining us here this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, So. I don't know how much of the conversation you've heard that we've had this morning with Matt Davis or um, even that you have the other conversations around the country about defunding the police or abolishing the police. In this case, he's asking and and spreading a message of um, defunding the police and refunding it to the community. As the guy who's in charge of, of where things go, is that even something possible or something that would be considered here in this city? I appreciate the question, and it's one that we uh, that we hear a lot uh, and have heard a lot these last uh, last couple of weeks. There is no push uh, among counselors to wholesale defund uh, or disband our, our law enforcement uh, partners. No, no. What we are looking at, and what and what we want to hear, are ways that we can um, better address the root causes of our crime and our violence in our community and focus on, on preventing these things rather than responding to them. There is, there is validity in, um, in looking at the actions of our officers, the, the, the vast array of things that they do, and maybe those aren't, the, those aren't best suited for officers, um, you know, marriage counselor, um, you know, any number of things, for example. Uh, and we want to be we want to be able to listen to those uh, and to and to think through those uh, and make the adjustments as you know as as necessary. As you're aware, we have coming up in early August uh, our, uh, our budget hearings, and you know all of these are televised and and um, and given full access to the public. 
But between now and then, uh, counselors, including myself, will be hearing and wanting to hear from our constituents about how we strengthen public health and safety in our community. And, mm-hmm. and of course, those uh, meetings are not only broadcast, but uh, I don't w- w- in a non-pandemic world, you can actually go in to that meeting and meet face-to-face and speak at the microphone and, and put your comments, questions, and concerns on the record. Yes, yes. Yeah. So in this, in this pandemic age, what we've asked is that questions that the public has on any topic um, be presented before 5 p.m., so that counselors have an opportunity, one, to, to read them. And then those questions are read out in each committee meeting or each council meeting so that they are heard. And that's something important for people to hear so that they know um, this is an avenue by which they can become involved um, when it comes to what's happening in their own um, hometown. Uh, another question for you, Counselor Osalie. So last week, the council declared racism a public health crisis. Um, for those that um, didn't hear that, wanted to have you bring us up to speed on what exactly that means and what initiatives come along with that um, declaration to address racism in Indianapolis. Thank you for that. Uh, what it means is the council is putting on the table its acknowledgement um, uh, clearly and loudly mm-hmm. that racism in all of its forms has taken a historical toll on the physical health um, of black and brown residents uh, in our city, um, that black and brown residents are continuing to bear the physical burden of racist policies from earlier decades. Uh, we may have ended those policies, supposedly, but the physical effects of those policies still linger. And that is something that, in any form of communication going forward, has to be clear that we've got to address those. Uh, let me give an example. Uh, the, the, the redlining and discriminatory federal housing policies um, that were prevalent for, for decades and which were, quote-unquote, uh, outlawed in 1968. Those policies meant that, that black neighborhoods, brown neighborhoods were more likely to be located in areas with less access to food and other health resources, uh, like doctor's offices, any number of things, right? Um, grocery stores. And more likely to be located near industrial or manufacturing areas with more pollution, more contaminated groundwater, and all of those things, as we know, contribute to you know, lower uh, air quality, uh, more environmental toxins, and therefore even more respiratory diseases, a number of things that even made us more susceptible to issues that, that, that surrounded you know, the coronavirus and, and COVID-19. So many, of, many black people continue to live in, in historically black neighborhoods where there are more detriments to health and fewer health resources specifically related to the redlining policies that we had uh, in years past. Uh, uh, Mr. Vice President, let me ask you, uh, when you talk about other policies that you guys have implemented, because we only have a few minutes here with you, um, what is the update on police body cams? That's something that the City County Council has allocated money for. It's been working on it for a number of years, and we're told it's supposed to start rolling out this summer. So the expectation is that by the end of third quarter, so by the end of September, uh, they will be fully up, operational and implemented. What yeah. with that? What what's the next? What's the next big step um, in, in in policing? Is it looking at things? I know the uh, w- one of the the council committees this week was uh, had a a grilling, if you will, of of uh, Chief Taylor in a respectful way, but just talking about the cities and the, and the department's policies on use of forces. We've seen protests and we've seen uh, two nights of unfortunate riots after those peaceful protests. Where, where's that discussion? The overall, the overarching objective is transparency. Mm-hmm. Uh, transparency of policy, transparency of um, uh, opportunities for citizens to be engaged in decision-making. Um, traditionally, and we're not the only ones, you know, across the country, there have been a number of sort of shrouds met or did not provide an opportunity for, for community members to know um, action, discipline, any number of things that, that went with law enforcement, right? Now, this is not to single out law enforcement, but like any other agency that we have in, in local government, you know, in, um, in, in, in local or state government, uh, there are levels of transparency that were not 
in um, uh, review of police policies. So mm-hmm. it's not just here, it's across the country. And what people are demanding is that they get to know what transpired, mm-hmm. um, what happens if I make a complaint, yeah. what, what, how will I know what happens to the individual? And that is something that here, you know, here in Indianapolis, you know, around the country, mm-hmm. uh, we want to ensure is made transparent for our constituents so that they know that the laws and the policies are put in place to protect them, you know, to enlighten them, so, so that they have a sense of um, uh, of being a part of the process. And Councilor Osley, on that point about um, uh, on that point about transparency. Um, which I think we can all agree is extremely important, especially right now. Um, there are some concerns being shared online about a Mr. Kenneth Prevo, um, who's a retired law enforcement officer. He was appointed to the Marion County Community Corrections Advisory Board, um, which is a board under the city council. Um, but he had been involved in police action violence in the past when he was in Birmingham, um, Alabama, and those officers were subsequently fired. Um, wanted to know, is he still serving on that advisory board? And what is your response to those in the community that have concerns about him being involved in this way with corrections, um, giving his his past involvement? So we knew uh, Mr. Prevo uh, as a retired uh, law enforcement officer, um, retired after many years of service. But we knew him best for like the exemplary work that he's been doing than he's done in our city since he moved here. So, no, we were not aware of this part uh, of the past. And I do know that, you know, there was exoneration and a rehiring. So that is how he was able to retire um, uh, from the force there. But in my, in my years of working on reentry issues, I've learned and, and believe incredibly strongly that everyone deserves an opportunity to work, to serve, to be part of a community. And that said, however, in light of current concerns that are being heard like everywhere across the country. I did speak with him this week when, when this came to light, uh, and he was sensitive to those concerns and, and said he still desired to be part, you know, and to be in our community in any capacity that, that might present itself. So we will look for opportunities, you know, to engage him, um, but, but it will not be with the uh, Community Corrections Board. All right, all right. Well, thank you so much, um, Counselor Osley, for being with us on the show today um, and for bringing us up to speed on what it is that's happening on the council level um, to address some of these very serious issues that we are experiencing in our city. I cannot believe Are you telling me that we're done? No way. There's no way, Ebony. Now, come on now. I got up early. I got up early to talk with you. Listen, and we appreciate you getting up early. We definitely do. Um, Kim, do you do we have any calls on the line for Counselor Osley? We've got calls coming in, we but do. we've got a couple other things we got to squeeze okay. in before nine o'clock. So, so Counselor, we, we need we more have, time yes. on the on the show. So you'll have to call Dion and Karen because I got other segments I got to squeeze in, and we can <laughs> yeah. we can talk for thirty minutes. Maybe we could have you next week if your schedule allows, because there's so much more that we could discuss. I'm there's also disappointed. <laughs> There's a lot. Well, thank you so much for having me on this morning. Thank you so much. And we will have to get you on soon, very soon again. But have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. City County Council President Vop Osley calling in to the show early here this morning um, to talk about a number of things, defunding and refunding the police. He said that's not on the table and not something that is going to happen. Uh, But there are a number of things that are coming along the ways, and that is, uh, he says, more transparency. Of course, we all want to know what happened in the case of Dre John Reed. We just Mm -hmm. got the names of the officers uh, who were involved, Jor Mercer, who uh, made uh, who was the one who fired his weapon at Dre John, as well as uh, the um, other officer who made the comment about close casket, um, Stephen Scott. So there is some progress coming. Um, and then also body cams coming online uh, in the city uh, throughout the summer. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. We'll take your calls for the rest of the show as we get ready to go here at 9 o'clock. But in the meantime, Ebony, there is a lot happening in downtown Absolutely. Indianapolis today. Yes, there is so much. So a couple of rallies happening. Um, we've already had a very busy weekend, as you heard at the top of the show, with celebrating the birthday of Dreyjan Reed. Um, a, a memorial held for that and some other things. But today they are having an I Can't Breathe 
peaceful walk and prayer vigil. This is being hosted by the ladies of the Indianapolis alumni chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. That is happening today at 3 o'clock p.m. starting at the City County Building and they are going to march to Monument Circle. So if you are interested in being a part of that prayer vigil that will be happening at 3 o'clock p.m. today starting at the City County Building with the ladies of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. And then also downtown this afternoon starting at 3 o'clock, Black Women in Charge and Aunt Paris have teamed up to present the Monumental March and Registration Drive this afternoon. It starts at 3 o'clock and will run until 6 o'clock tonight. They will start at the state capitol and then march to the War Memorial on Meridian Street. Guests will feature the Pacers, George Hill, Tamika Catchings, Pastor Jeff Johnson, Laval Jordan, and the man himself, Amp Harris. So a lot happening in downtown Indianapolis today. Maybe they can all come together and meet somewhere mm-hmm. and it'll be a, a, a giant movement I feel uh, like throughout it the will streets. Be. A, lot of, uh, a lot of black folks going to be downtown today. So I think it's inevitable that they're going to meet up at some point and just make it one big you know, family reunion of sorts. And I got to point out, Ebony, since I've been out there for umpteen days of the the protests, it's not just black people that's been out there. It's oh, been a right. lot of white folks and a lot of uh, uh, people just coming together mm-hmm. of all different colors. Every shade of Indianapolis yeah. has been out there. So. Andre Carson called it the United Nations last weekend. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's been a it's been a lot of shades of people out there. Yeah. Speaking of people, we've got people on the live line standing by to uh, talk with us this morning at three one seven two three nine nine six nine six. 317-239-9696. Let's hit these phones on the caller on line one. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. Hey, how you guys doing? This brother Montevia, Ebony, and Cameron. Yeah. Thanks for taking my call. And I Absolutely. Know I'll be brief because your time is limited. Um, we speak. I had something else to say, but I listened to Bob. I had to go here right now. I want you guys, if you can, as journalists, to hit on not just the, the focus of black folks voting. We saw the problems in Georgia last week and those lines and things like that. But the actual vetting and understanding of candidates and what they stand for. You know, uh, Bob kind of disappointed me there. Uh, I'm not saying defund or the same thing. I'm saying in, in any business, in any fortune, when you look at, the, look at them, they're responsible for funding, as you say, they're responsible for allocating the funds. So let's look at it as a business point of view. If you are unsuccessful in business in a certain segment of your business or a certain uh, framework of your business, you go through and you restructure or you, you go through and you make changes. They do it all the time. We just saw the market crash 1,800 points the other day, I'm sure. Oh, and Starbucks announced closing 350 stores. So it happens. I don't understand why it's the scaredness of Bob, a black, democratic, elected official, to put the needs of black people uh, forefront right now. I'm tired of just the slogan of going and vote. Black people, you've got to section out these people and find out who is on the team and who isn't and who's not afraid because this is a critical juncture in history and in our story on this country, in this country and on this planet. And VOP, along with other black politicians who, don't, who are in charge, and don't take the lead to ensure that our justice, our equality, and our, our, our humanity is upheld. We're going to call you all out, and we're going to ask for you guys to be voted out of office. I would rather have somebody white that I understand where they come from than a brother looking at me in the mirror and don't do nothing about when he see my pain. And that's my comment. Thank All you. right. Thanks, MOTEP, appreciate you. And uh, I appreciate the tweets as well. Uh, you yeah. can join our conversation online as well. If you can't make it on the air here today, you can follow me at Cameron Riddle, at Ebony the Writer, and at Open Line Show, 317-239-9696. More callers on the line. Let's All go right. back to the phones as we get ready to wrap up the show. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. Yes, hello. Good morning. My name is uh, Cortez Shirley. I called into the show last week. Um, you were the guy in Seattle or something, right? Yes, yes. And I'm, and I'm going to keep calling because it needs to be awareness raised about how they do minority inmates in the Marion County Jail and their grievance policies and everything else. And like I was explaining last week, I want to be the voice for the inmates that can't speak for themselves or, you know what I'm saying, retain a lawyer to handle a matter, which I'm going through, you know what I'm saying, with this white... Excuse my French uh, radio with this uh, Caucasian 
uh, jail deputy, uh, Corporal Ryan Joshua D. Nick, you know, assaulted me and said a racial slur. All right, well, now, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I, I, I get what you're saying. Can can you get, Ebony, can you maybe give him your email and Absolutely. maybe you guys can talk because you've done a lot on this in the past couple yeah, of months. Yeah, I don't um, try to reach out to the to, to yep. 59. Okay, let me give you my email because um, this is something that we can, you know, potentially build a segment around to talk in the future. Um, But the incarcerated community is really important to me. Yeah. When I reached out to the NAACP uh, a couple years ago. Uh Well, let me give you my email address because we we do have to, you know, finish up the show um, because you and I can talk offline more in depth about this. So uh, I'm going to give it to you. You ready? You got a pen? I'm crying out for help. You got a pen? You got your pen? All right. Yes, ma'am. E C H A. E C H A. Uh huh. P P E L. P C E L. P is in Paul. P is in Paul. E L. At radio dash O N E. Dot com. Dot Uh, Yes. Okay, what's your name again? My name's Ebony Chappelle. So that email is echappelle at radio-one.com. So reach out to me. We can talk offline more in depth about what it is you got going on and see what we can, uh, what kind of conversation we can have. But appreciate you calling in. Yes, ma'am. I I thank you very much, very much. This this matter needs to be aired. It does. The, the, yeah. the jail saying they don't have the videotape. I want America to see that videotape yeah. on how I was treated by this office. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for me. your call and reach out to me. Be sure to send that email. But thank you for your call. All right. All right. All right. That is going to do it uh, for this hour. Uh, as you can see, out of time and up against the clock so we can get these commercials in um, oh, yeah. here. Uh, but Ebony, yes, you will connect with, with that gentleman. And, and it sounds like he has a story that he really, really needs help um, yeah. and, and could use you to, to look into. So with that said, we are out of time for this show today. However, uh, the conversation will continue online. You can follow the show at Open Line Show. You can follow and tweet me at Cameron Riddle with one D. And then Ebony the Writer. We and are everything is everywhere. Still right. Yes. Ebony the Writer. <laughs> Ebony the Writer. No underscores straight up. You can find her. We can have this conversation. You just uh, heard her email. There, Ebony, what you got planned for this week? Oh, my gosh. This week, it is a lot going on. So I will be, you know, around working. And then next Friday is Juneteenth, y'all. So I am going to be celebrating by helping out with a sickle cell initiative um, in partnership with Versity Blood Center and Martin Center uh, Sickle Cell um, nonprofit here in the city of Indianapolis. So just going to be out and about, you know, doing community things. What All about right. you, Kim? I'm going to go home, cut this grass, and I got a massage scheduled for later this Ooh, afternoon. Ooh, you fancy? Okay. Uh, just a little bit. You I'm, done uh, got your hair cut, getting massages. You got, <laughs> hey, three months in quarantine and all the miles that I have walked covering Ooh. these protests. Yeah. I've earned this haircut and this massage. You need it. Much more coming up this <laughs> week. I'll see you back here on Hot 96.3 and WTLC for the news starting tomorrow at 10. And then I'll see you on TV in the afternoon for the news on RTV6. Have a great day. I'm Cameron Rodel for Ebony Chappelle, our producer, Anthony Bell, and all of us here at Radio 1. Have a great Sunday. Peace.